I am India Ari, and this is my podcast, Songversation, where I choose one of my songs and I riff on that song, simple as that. This episode was recorded on December 22nd, 2020. Today, as I sit here recording this intro, it is April 22nd, 2021, so it's been a minute, but I felt like it was time for me to go ahead and let this podcast be heard. And so what I want to say before we get into this is that although I am talking about 2020, it is not my intention to drag anybody back to any hard feelings, but to give us a space to remember what we lost and what we gained in 2020, because I'm thinking that there was a lot of both for all of us, a lot of transformation. And so with every Songversation podcast, my hope is that you hear yourself in my story. And I also really had a good time hearing my own story today four months after it was recorded and I to be honest I got a lot out of it and I hope that you do too so let's get into it Songversation just let it go welcome to Songversation the podcast this is episode 28 Songversation just let it go Normally, I don't choose the song first. I just sit down at the microphone and let the song come out and I start to riff. This time I did think about it because I'm going over the year in my mind and I'm thinking about everything. And I wanted to do this episode because, I mean, I guess it's for the reason that I do Songversation podcast, to unpack things. And... But also the reason why I chose this song, the reason why I chose before I sat down today is because I think it is the theme of the year for a lot of us, for all of us, the theme of the year. Um, and I want to get into why I'm saying that in this in this podcast. And also this podcast was inspired by one of my social media followers, Donald. He DM'd me and said this had been his song of the year and you know in my mind I was like you too (laughs) I don't listen to the song a lot but we'll get into why this is also my song of the year and we'll also get into why I think again this is a lot of people's song of the year but before we do that um let's listen to the song this is just let it go from my seventh album songversation medicine you've been through so much so many ups and downs you've given your love But never like the way it turned out You closed off your heart And you carry the weight Like a million rocks on your shoulders But you don't have to wait for an apology Or for someone else to make amends When you can remember your healing is in your hands just let it go inch by inch just let it go and do it again just let it go one day you'll see just let it go you set yourself Someone came along who didn't value you. You carried the weight, 
of your heart like a million rocks on your shoulders but life isn't meant to be perfect and we won't always win but can you remember that your healing is in your hands just let it go by inch just let it go and do it again just let it go one day you'll see just let it go you've set yourself your blinders on when you looked around all of your friends were gone you took the fall and you carry the weight like a million rocks on your shoulder just let it go Just Let It Go from my 2017 release, Songversation Medicine. I have eight albums, uh, Acoustic Soul, Voyage to India, Testimony Volume 1, Testimony Volume 2, Songversation, India, Ari, and Joe Sample, Christmas with Friends, Songversation Medicine, and Worthy. And, uh, I like to go ahead and count those off on every episode because they are my life's work. It took me 20 years to do all of that. Um, Next year, in March, March 27th, my first album, Acoustic Soul, will turn 20. So, thinking of things to do with that. But, here we are at the end of 2020. The end of an unexpected 2020 But in hindsight, it's the end of a year that I, in hindsight, could see coming. I I didn't know the details, but I knew it was going to be a year like no other. So those of you who really follow me on social media, you will remember. (laughs) May, you can go back and look at it. I posted a video walking in the park from January. I think it was January 3rd or January 10th, something like that. 
and I was walking in the park talking to my camera about how I felt um, about how I felt about how the year was starting and it was interesting for me because I want to go back to the end of 2018 for a second so my album Worthy came out uh, February 2019 so at the end of 2018 I had been through so much that year the relationship I was in for two years ended, and then my beloved Blue Miller passed away. I bought a house that I then turned around and sold in six months because it became a money pit, and I lost money on the selling it, but I lost less money selling it than I would have lost keeping it, which was a rock and a hard place, really. Um, and then the end of the year came, and I just wanted to get quiet and come to terms with everything. And so I had never spent an end of a year like that where I just sat on the floor in prayer for days, days, days in a row. I mean, I slept and, you know, I ate, but I wasn't watching TV or chatting mindlessly on the phone with friends or anything like that. I was in deep thought and contemplation and meditation. I talked to some of my trusted elders about the things I was feeling and they helped me work through some of the things. And a lot of the stuff, I was just praying to God for clarity. And I did get clarity. And so when January 2019 came around, I started the year off uh, clean. And so I said to myself, I want to do that every year. And so at the end of 2019, after going through so much, I did three tours. We did some television stuff. I had two hit records. <laughs> I was not thinking any of that was going to happen. We had That Magic, which it was number three at radio. And then we had Steady Love, which hit number one. And so... It was a busy year with a lot of good things and a lot of uh, challenging things, especially the touring. And so, you know, for me, the touring was so unsustainable that it really changed the whole ecosystem of my career. It was just like, I can't do this anymore. So I started thinking, what will I do if this whole piece disappears? So anyway, having gone through so much, I decided to be excited about doing that sitting on the floor, getting close with spirit thing again at the end of 2019. And so I had a show with the Nashville Orchestra that I did not want to do. We had two shows. I did not want to do them because I was exhausted, but I did. And I'm glad I did them. I had a good time. Uh, but it, it was hard pushing to that finish line of the year. And then I went home. Uh, to visit my mom because she was turning 70 and we threw her a surprise birthday party. And then after the surprise birthday party, I bought a car and my mom surprised me and paid for like a third of the car. I had no idea she was going to do that, but she had already been pre-approved and everything for the loan. And then um, I drove home and I was excited to get quiet, get on the floor, get close to spirit. And so I started gathering my things and setting up my table, where I was going to be and how I was going to sit and all this stuff. And then in the process of that, this lamp that sits probably like, I'm looking at it now, the lamp probably sits about six feet, five inches in the air, maybe six feet, seven inches in the air. And the lamp was all glass. And of course I had a glass light bulb in it. And in the process of just trying to set my stuff up, the lamp falls off the shelf hits the floor from almost seven feet high. 
shatters, the lamp shatters, the light bulb, the lamp itself is glass. So the lamp shatters, the light bulb shatters, and I'm creeped out because it was loud and it was still plugged in and it was kind of buzzing and it just, it creeped me out. And so I sat on the couch and I just looked at everything. I didn't even try to clean it up. I literally turned on the TV and checked out for a minute. And in hindsight, that moment made it clear to me that this was not going to be a regular year. And the other thing, it wasn't just that the lamp fell, it was the way it felt and how long it stayed with me because I kept trying to then get back into that space. I want to backtrack for a moment because I was already having a hard time kind of feeling grounded and like I could get into that prayerful state and all that. It wasn't coming naturally. And then the lamp fell and then I sat on the couch and checked out and then I went to the park and made that video. And also that was so much has happened this year that it's very easy to forget that in January, the Trump administration had the, you know, one of those leading generals in Iran assassinated. And so before this year went everywhere that it went, that was a big, big deal. You may have remember seeing the footage, all of the people of Iran flooded the streets in mourning for this man. And that was saying a lot because, you know, Iran is in deep turmoil. And so there are a lot of factions, words we learn from the news. There are different factions of people and different political factions who don't get along and they're fighting against each other. But when when this uh, general was assassinated, everyone together, shoulder to shoulder, marched in the streets. If you see the images of these of these marches, I mean, it was so many people. It was like devastatingly moving. And I know that that is going to have a ripple effect because I can see how the outpouring of, of grief was for him. They said he would, it would have been like the equivalent of our vice president. And so apparently he was much beloved by all. And so I was walking in the park feeling like, uh, however that manifests in the future for America, and for whatever innocent people will get caught up in that, that it made me mad that we didn't have anything to do with it. We're just kind of living our lives. And now there's this thing that, you know, will have to be balanced at some point. Mind you, this is before Kobe. This is before the coronavirus. This is before everything. This is January 3rd, I think. I know it was the first week of January that all this happened, the lamp, the assassination, the walking in the park, all that. And I never did get into that um, prayerful, quiet 10, 15 days I was looking for. But I ended up having a whole year of that starting in March. Actually, it started in February for me because I went to L.A. and I said to myself, I'm going to go hard one more time. I'm going to go really hard one more time. And really hard means you have a project that you're going to do and you're just going to push it. You're not going to sleep a lot. You're going to be on and off the planes. You're going to have to wear a bunch of outfits. You're just going to push it. 
that's kind of how it is when you're in the music industry and you have a project you're promoting, you just go really hard. And so I said to myself, I'm gonna go hard one more time because I wanted to do this video for Crazy and Sacred Space. And I wanted to go to the Grammys and I wanted to go to LA to see Stevie Wonder after his kidney transplant. So I did all that. I didn't get to see Stevie. He's really hard to catch up with, as you can imagine. But I still was out there in LA. I went early to see him, although I couldn't catch him. But I did the reel. Those of you who saw me on the reel, you heard me talk about a semi-retirement, and I still feel like that. Um, and then we did the Grammys, which had a lot of energy on it for me. Again, you may see the video on my social media where you hear me talking about the politics of the Grammys. That was 19 years in the making. It was a long time coming that I was able to tell that truth. And so they had a lot of energy on it. And then we went straight from that the next day, waking up at 5 a.m. to do all day video shoot for two days in a row. And the video shoot was done uh, end of January and February 4th, February, let me think, that's not true. It was done the end of January, I don't remember the dates, January 28th and 9th, I think we filmed. The 30th, I stayed in, in Malibu. The 31st, I stayed in Malibu, and then I left probably on the 1st. And I went to Seattle to relax and to visit my elder friend who's in her 90s, so I just want to see her whenever I can when I go to Seattle. So I left there and landed back home February 4th. And that started my quiet time because I spent February, March, and April editing what turned into a short film called Welcome Home, which was a combination of crazy and sacred space and all telling a, a narrative with the two songs. And so I had to unexpectedly take over the editing of this project. The editor and I went through every frame because she lost my trust, because she did not light me properly. And lighting is everything, you know, even if you look at your own self, you look different in different lighting. So when you're filming something and you're going to be immortalized on camera, you want to make sure you're seen in your best light. The other thing that's important with that is that a lot of filmmakers and TV people don't know how to light black people because all of our skin is different color. So they might say, we're going to use this blue light so we can bring out the rich darkness of your skin. But, you know, all black people are not the same color. So they could be talking about like a Senegalese dark or a Sudanese type dark. Or, you know, a lot of African-Americans, including me, were mixed with Native American. And so I think most African-Americans are mixed with Native American. I was watching a documentary last night called Rumble. Man, if you are just a person who loves to explore, you have to watch this documentary. It's called Rumble, How Indians Rocked American Music. I might be getting that subtitle wrong. They use the word Indians, it's what we know as Native Americans, um, and it's about their place in rock and roll, and so much I didn't know. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, well, that makes sense, because we're all mixed with some Indian, with Native American, all of us. My family is, I, I know we are, because my family has long lived, and I know our history. Um, anyway, I said all that to say we're all different shades, and if you're listening to this and you are Black, then you know that. But sometimes the people who are filming you are not black and they don't understand different lighting for different skin tones. You don't just say they're black, so we're going to use this light, which is what the director did. And she and I had extensive conversation about the lighting <laughs> because for sacred space, the budget was so small. All we had room was in the budget was for a white space, me, a male lead and lighting. 
And so the lighting had to be right, but she did not get it right. So she lost my trust and I took over the editing. And then we had to hire a special effects person to make sure that it did look good. He had to add lighting to the footage. And so that was difficult. And so it took 300 hours. And I mean, 300 and 400 of those hours, the director wasn't even working with me because she said something really smart to me and I just stopped calling her. (laughs) And I took over and finished it. (sighs) So I said all that to say that um, I came home February 4th. I got the footage February 14th. I got mad February 15th. I took over, took until May to complete. So all that time I was in the house. Every day, 12, 10, nine hours a day. Every night, waking up in the morning, waiting for the current edit, all that stuff. I was already in the house. And so when the quarantine started, I was already in the house. And then by the time May came and I was ready to look up and be out of the house, it was, you know, we were already two months into the quarantine. So, um, and once the video was released, that's when I really got really quiet and really started to settle into that quiet, prayerful time that I wanted at the beginning of the year. And that has lasted throughout this whole year. I have not traveled anywhere. This is I'm realizing the first time in 20 years that I have not gone on a plane anywhere. There have been times when I said I haven't traveled this year, but that would mean I haven't traveled for work. And I was able to drop into that space that I was craving at the beginning of the year. And and now at the end of 2020, I understand why it was not happening in January because it was not needed because this whole year has been that for me. Deep prayer, deep contemplation, deep meditation, and not to see what it can mean for the collective, not to see what kind of songs it can turn into, but for the sake of just being. I have not done that my whole adult life. And so that's where this podcast is coming from. I've been thinking over this last week about all the things that I lost in 2020, like travel. But what I realized in that contemplation is that everything I lost also inherently involved something that I gained. So this episode 28, Songversation, Just Let It Go, is really about everything that I lost and everything that I gained in 2020. So let's get into that in this next segment. Since I'm always thinking, talking, feeling, living about my work, I think I want to start there. (laughs) I was just asking myself, like, really where to start, where to start, because, you know, it's been a lot for me the same way it has been for for everyone. Um, So the first thing that I lost was touring. I don't want to spend too much time on this, actually, because this is such a small part of what I lost. But let me just say this quickly. If I talk too fast, forgive me, because I really am kind of just trying to get through this part quickly. The reason why I say I lost touring is because in 2019, I did a lot of shows. The guarantees, which means how much they guarantee to pay me when I show up, were lower than what I deserve and were lower than what I expected. But the conventional wisdom is you do these low shows, you blow up, you blow up your touring, you have some hit songs, and the next year people will bring you back and they'll bring you back for the money you deserve. 
And that is exactly what happened in 2020. The guarantees were high. They were coming in. I was like, yes, let's go. But I didn't want to because I was really tired from 2019. I mean, I've been tired. 2019 was like a, a existential, psychic, deep tiredness. And like, again, like I talked about in the last segment, when you, if you see my interview on The Real, I really was talking about a semi-retirement. And I actually have talked about it on this podcast. And I call it semi-retirement because there's some things I just don't want to do the way I've been doing them because they are not sustainable. I can't, uh, my body can't handle that type of stress. And so I was going to do it though, because <laughs> I wanted my money because it was a two-year plan and I was committed to this two-year plan. And so I was going to do these shows and I was going to get my money. And then I was going to look at the end of 2020 and start thinking, okay, 2021, let's start pulling back into this semi-retirement thing. And then everything got canceled. And what I gained was a much needed 20-year rest. And when I say rest, I don't mean a lot of sleep, which I have gotten. I mean rest as in my nervous system was able to calm, to be calm. And I had so many revelations about why it's time for things to change. And I live in a very small space, which I really liked. Uh, now that I've been in the house all year, it is not practical. <laughs> Just, I need more space than this. But when I was a person who was always traveling, it was nice to have a small space where it was easy to pack. When I'd come home, it was easy to put everything away because everything wasn't spread out and all that. But um, in this small space, I've been able to really just cocoon with all the things that are India around me and really close around me. Um, it's funny that when I said the word close, that little jingle, that was, I'm wearing two crystals right now and they just jingled each other. I have a lot of crystals and a lot of uh, candles and I have a lot of books. I have a lot of artwork. I have a lot of instruments, flutes and guitars, a lot of them. I have a lot of like lesser known instruments. Like I have a set of crystal singing bowls. I have two hongs. I don't know how to describe them, but you hear them in commercials and stuff a lot. They're kind of like a, they sound kind of like a steel pan drum, but you play it with your fingertips. A man in Bern, Switzerland invented them and I went to Bern, Switzerland on my way to the Montreux Jazz Festival and bought them from the man, from the inventor. So I have two of those. I have amps. I have yoga mats, several yoga mats. I have, you know, a lot of stuff that is my stuff that's all around me. My bed, I have curtains around my bed. I have all my clothes, my white clothes that I hang out in the house in, you know, my stuff, my essential oils. I have my little sauna. I have my a rowing machine, you know, all my stuff. And so it's all really close around me and I've been able to cocoon here and it's been nice. So anyway, I wanted to describe the space I live in because I wanted to help you understand this next thing I'm going to say, which is that I would be doing something random, like standing in the corner in the kitchen and I would think, oh man, I haven't never had an extended period of time where I could really address maybe like the detoxing of my liver or the detoxing of my colon without having to think, I have to leave here in a week or I have to leave home in three weeks. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I have like, I put a great, I put great um, emphasis on my health, but I don't, I'm not always able to execute. And it's weird to be a person who thinks that much about their health, but can't execute. And so um, I've had a lot of issues with being really, really with fatigue, with deep fatigue. 
And so it would be things like we would have, say we all had the image awards and uh, the next day people go to breakfast and hang out. But for me, the next day I'm like in the bed and can barely move for three days. Not like call the doctor, she can't move, kind of not move, but like get up really slow, walk really slow to the bathroom in the morning, really slow to the refrigerator to get some water, really slow, like my body has to thaw out and then my head is light and my and and um, maybe I have a headache or you know like like not not able to function like I can't just hop up and put on more clothes and put on more makeup and get up and go to breakfast I would really look around me and be like how is everybody doing this I couldn't understand it in fact I missed the opportunity to go to breakfast with Heavy D because I ran into him in Whole Foods in LA then we had the image awards and he said you know I want to talk to you and I always wished I could have known the stuff he was going to tell me because he was really interested in people, really cool and wise. And so, um, but I was always pushing through that. But this year gave me an opportunity to really stop and to realize that although I was always trying to address my health, it was a try. And that this year I could just address it. And so I'm not gonna go into details about all the stuff I've done for my health this year, but I've really been able to focus without anything um, dangling in front of me. I don't know a better word than that. Anything, any impending travel hanging over my head. (laughs) And so while I lost touring, I gained much needed rest. And I would also say that I uh, lost the excitement of my career, but I gained the ability to really move slow and address my actual body. Much, much needed. And so all that money that I thought I gained in 2019, I didn't get. Probably won't get it in 2021. And I could imagine that things are going to change so drastically that whenever it we are able to gather in a tour setting or something like that, that I don't know that those requests will still be there because it's different when you have a hit record at radio. Like I had Steady Love and I was coming off of a big tour and so people were offering me big guarantees. It's not gonna be that way. You know, the memory is short in the music industry. I am looking forward to seeing what it will be and how these virtual shows that we're probably gonna end up doing will be and all of that. But that stuff that I thought I was gonna have, I didn't get it, so, but, The funny thing is I don't think about it a lot. I don't think, oh, the money I lost, like when I'm sitting in my quiet time, it doesn't cross my mind a lot at all. So I would say that's the first thing that I lost. Uh, And the first thing that I gained (laughs) this year was lost my touring, but gained some much needed rest. And now that we're at the end of the year, I can happily say I gained some much needed healing. I'm going to get a little bit personal here. (laughs) Um, Plug your ears if you don't want to hear a woman talk about her menstrual cycle. I'm not going to get crazy with it. But I will just say this. That was always a hard part of being a a woman who travels because sometimes your cycle is hard. There can be cramps. Everybody's cycle is different in the way that it the way that it occurs for each woman is different. For me, I would have cramps um, on 
one or two of the days, but not all the days. But I would have even deeper fatigue than I normally had. And sometimes it would be just a lot to manage um, uh, energy level wise and pain management wise. But sometimes it would be like cramp day and I would still have to get on a plane. And so that was always it was scary. I was going to use the word inconvenient, but it was more than inconvenient. It was scary to be managing chronic pain. And I know that the world doesn't look at women's menstrual cycles like that, but it is chronic pain that a lot of women manage. And me too. And I would sometimes really be in very scary situations having to manage this chronic pain. And so this year I was able to heal a lot of that, to not have any of that be an issue because I would always be at home and to be able to heal. So I'm also really not going to go too far into this. I talk about it at an episode in this podcast, but I had a, a surgical procedure that made the cramps better too. So I was able to go through that in 2019 before the before the release of Worthy and then able to spend this year allowing myself time to continue the healing process and also detoxing of my organs. My skin is healed up. I because I would, you know, have skin that gets rashy and it really is connected to my emotional wellness. But my skin is the most clear it's been in 10 years. And my hair grew out. <laughs> my hair is the longest it's been in my whole adult life. My fingernails grew. <laughs> so I lost the touring, but I gained much needed rest and much needed healing in a lot of areas. And speaking of healing, I want to get into that in this next segment. The next thing that I would say I lost are two very important relationships. One was with my best friend and one was with a very close family member. And but what I gained with my best friend is honesty. I think we had not been honest with each other for a long time and it created these situations that, you know, when the seed finally flowered, we were looking at a relationship that was not authentic and it wasn't sustainable. And so we just got honest with each other and stopped being friends. <laughs> I don't know any better way to say that. I'm not sure how things will pan out for the future, but I feel good about this decision because Again, it wasn't sustainable in the way that things were going. It wasn't going to, we were headed this direction for a long time. We've been friends probably about 25 years too, but we were headed this direction for a long time. And I think separating as friends was important because we were so deeply connected that in order to grow, we had to disconnect. And the honesty of that helped me to learn something about myself, which I want to get into in a minute. The second person, the family member, I'm not going to say what family member it is out of respect for them, but um, an important family member. And I actually mentioned this in my last uh, podcast episode, 26, Conversation, Get It Together. They pushed against my boundaries. And for the first time in my life, I held the boundary. And they got so mad that they said the most mean and unkind things to me and I was 
happy with that because what I know is when you set a boundary, if a person is angry about that, then the boundary needed to be set. And so I was able to set boundaries with two very important people in my life and to be honest with myself about what needed to be said to both of those people. And that's very important for me because I'm a person who believed in harmony at all costs, even if it was at a cost to myself. It was just my nature. And so what I've learned, and I've said on this podcast before, that harmony at all costs is not harmony. If you cannot have conflict with the people you love and have the conflict make the relationship grow, then the relationship is going to come to an end at some point. And that's what happened with these two people. But what happened for me is that I was able to feel what it feels like to set boundaries. And it was a much needed healing. I needed to feel that. It gave me a healing because now I understand why I need to set boundaries and why sometimes there must be confrontation and why harmony at all costs needs to stop being a thing that I do. And um, I decided as an outpicturing of these two, the ending of these two relationships, I decided that going forward in my life that I will enjoy the harmony when it's there, but allow the conflict to exist when it must and not try to stave it off or wait till later to say things or be overly diplomatic. I will just go into the conflict and do it and call things out in the moment because holding it does not help anything. It really doesn't help anything. So it's huge for me to say, I'm going to go for the conflict because that is not how I have ever, ever, ever been. And, uh, I don't want to put a trigger warning on this episode, but if you go back and listen to Songversation, get it together, I talk briefly about my experience as a survivor of sexual abuse. And one of the main things I think that I carried subconsciously from those experiences is a person who just wants everything to be beautiful and wants everybody to be okay. And that's just not always the case. Sometimes things are not beautiful and sometimes they're not okay. And I know that. I know that consciously but my subconscious mind still always went for the harmony. And so what I'm telling you is that I have like a lifelong pattern of seeking harmony at all costs and a lifelong pattern of it hurting me. And for me to finally get to a place where I'm willing to go for the conflict, especially with these two relationships, is so big. So I lost a good friend, and I do not foresee our relationship ever being the same. And I lost a relationship with this family member. And I do not foresee that relationship ever being the same. But I gained the ability to set boundaries. And I gained the strength to allow... That's not true. That's not the words I want to say. I gained a more whole me. You know, we all have everything in us. (laughs) You can't just be harmonious. There has to be the conflict too. So I talk about that in, uh, I think I talk about that duality in Songversation, There's Hope, a few episodes back. But yeah, I gained a person who is coming to peace with my duality. 
Also, I want to talk about astrology just for a second, because that's another thing I've been doing this year. I joined an astrology school. I've been reading astrology books since I was like eight, 10 years old, because my mother had lots of them. So I would read them. And then this year, one of the things I decided I wanted to do was go to an astrology school. And so I, I joined that. And one of the things I learned, I'm a Libra. One of the things I learned as an eight or 10 year old about Libra is that we go for balance and that we go for harmony and that we love aesthetic beauty and we are artistic and that we um, love relationships and that we are the sign of marriage and, you know, the sign of beauty, all that beautiful environments, beautiful sounds, beautiful fragrances, all that. What I've learned as an adult reading about astrology is that Libra is actually not about balance necessarily. It's about duality and finding the balance, always seeking the balance between the two. So harmony and discord, being in a partnership and being alone, uh, working and recreation. Well, Libras are known for swinging back and forth because you know, I would tell people often in my interviews, I'm the person who has been around the world, Norway, South America, Africa, Europe, uh, um, Asia, but I don't go around the block. When I come off the road, I go home. My corner grocery store is never going to see me in the grocery store. I do not take walks outside around the block. I do not do that. <laughs> like I, I go around the world, but I don't go around the block. And so that's that swinging back and forth between work and rest. I don't have a middle. And so with this conflict conversation, I'm learning to have a middle and that nothing is black and white and that sometimes there's conflict and sometimes there's harmony and sometimes there's all kinds of shades of gray in between where you have a little argument or a big argument or one that lasts for a day or a moment or you got to just tell people how you feel and keep it moving. You know, there's all kinds of areas of gray between harmony and conflict and swinging between the two is not healthy for me. I've learned from experience. And so it's big for me to begin to see myself as a person who is not swinging back and forth between things, this harmony conflict conversation, or even this, you know, um, work and rest or this, giving everything away or taking care of myself to find a space where it all can exist and I can accept my duality has been big, big, big for me. So I lost a, a friend and I lost this family member, but I gained the ability to be more whole, the ability to set boundaries and an understanding of my own duality so I look forward to seeing how that plays out in my music as well, because I just am not the same person after 2020, but none of us are. So actually, that might have been two segments, but I want to get into this next segment and talk about this next thing that I lost and this next thing that I gained. One of the things that... I missed this year was being able to go to the ocean for healing. What I had classically done when I was burnt out or troubled by something or dealing with any kind of heartbreak in my personal life or in my business life, I would go 
to the ocean somewhere. I have my places that I like to go uh, repeatedly, and sometimes it would be a new place, but always by an ocean. Just the way that it makes me feel, the clarity that it brings me. I would also go to the ocean when I was just trying to work through something, like when I was putting together the Songversation show that some of you saw in 2019, Songversation Worthy. If you saw the show, you saw that it was very, it had a strong vision. The way the screen was curated, the way the songs were ordered, how they went in and out of each other, the things I spoke about. It was like a TED talk every night with music. <laughs> um, but it was hard. I, I was challenged. I was having, it was challenging. <laughs> I was about to say I was having a hard time. It wasn't hard. I was challenged by putting all that together because I had all these ideas, but putting them together in this cohesive way was challenging. So I went to the ocean, pulled out some index cards, wrote all the songs on card and started moving them around until the the patterns emerged. And that's how Songversation Worthy came about, the, the concert. And so I said all that to say that the ocean is, is, is my place. It heals me. It aligns me. It just makes me feel, it gives me a sense of well-being. And this year, I... Like I said, I came from Seattle, which is one of the places I love because there's so much water there. I came from Seattle, on landed back home February 4th and haven't been anywhere since. And so I lost this ocean time. And the thing that is so, that makes me want to laugh about it, <laughs> the irony is that after doing Welcome Home, that 300 hours of editing, all I really needed was just to get to the beach to realign myself so I could get back into the next phase of my life. But I couldn't go. And I know people have been traveling. People are taking advantage of these cheap tickets. But I'm not wired like that at all. If somebody tells me there's something going on that has to do with germs, I'm out of the way. <laughs> uh, I have been called a germaphobe. I don't like calling myself that because I don't feel that um, that applies to me but I am a person who is conscious of germs. I really am and I touring taught me that because I would see I would see so much how people what things people do in hotels, how they're kept, how they're not kept and I just started to understand, you know, that when you travel you have to be aware because for me my voice is my instrument. And so if I catch a cold from some germs or something like that, 20 people go home or I'm gonna be stuck in another country not able to work or stuck in another country still trying to work because there's money involved and on stage and my voice is out. It, that is the worst, the worst feeling is that when your voice is out and you still have to be on stage, it's just ridiculous. You should be in bed under the cover, but you're literally on a stage. And so I was always you know, careful about wh how what I ate off of, putting my hands on my mouth, Stuff like that always was to the point that when this whole thing started with the coronavirus and everybody was trying to get alcohol and alcohol wipes and masks, I already had all that. I had masks for the airplane because Stokely from Mint Condition, I was, you know, I was with him for a show and he had on a mask and I asked him why he wore that. He explained it to me that it kept his voice from getting dry on the airplane and stuff like that. And Stokely is a wonderful example. If you talk about somebody who takes care of their voice, he's one of the most technically proficient male singers on the radio of the last 20 years. So I started wearing masks on the plane. I always had alcohol wipes because they just make sense to me. 
I would use them for a variety of things, like with my makeup brushes, any of my makeup tools. I would use alcohol to wipe things down. I would use it to wipe down my table when I got on the airplane. I would use it to just different things. Like even when I was living in New York, I would use it to wipe my hands after being out somewhere because as busy as people think New York is, that's not even what New York meant for me. What? Let me let me rephrase that. I always thought I couldn't live in New York because it was so busy and loud and I was a very retiring person. But I ended up really enjoying New York and I wanted to be around things and city and movement and growth after spending over a decade living in a rural area in my house in Atlanta. But the hustle and bustle of New York is what New York is all about. And I enjoyed that, the sirens and all of it. The hard part was how dirty New York is. I didn't know that. I did not know that. So I would have alcohol wipes for stuff. Like say you just opened a taxi door and then you were going to the restaurant. You know, like I would go to the bathroom, wash my hands too. But sometimes the alcohol wipe is what you need right away for something. I've even been known to use alcohol wipes on my silverware at a restaurant because if I have them in my bag already, why not? You know, I realize some of you are thinking I probably sound like a germaphobe, but I also realize that after this year with coronavirus, some of you are thinking that makes sense. And I think it make being that way makes sense to a lot more people now than it did in 2019. And so I already had alcohol wipes. I already had masks. I already had gloves because my hands break out um, from different things that I might put them in, like washing dishes. And so I would have gloves that I would use whenever I had to get my hands wet. I always had them on the road because I was always washing my hands a lot because before, for example, before every show of the 2019 Songversation Worthy Tour, I had a meet and greet with over 100 people, up to 100 people, I mean. And I would shake people's hands, everybody's hands. I would hug people before every show. And so it was just kind of, second nature for me to have things that would be able to disinfect my hands on the spot if I needed to because you know I would never like shake a hundred people's hands and then eat a french fry I just wouldn't do it but there are middle ground like what if I shook everybody's hand and then it was time for me to go on stage and do my sound check I might not have time to go all the way to the bathroom to wash my hands but I wasn't going to touch my guitar after shaking a hundred people's hands and so what I would do is use my alcohol wipes on my hands I also used essential oils. I use essential oils for a lot of different things, but sometimes I would use them to disinfect my hands or disinfect, you know, different things. Like I had a, a thermos that I had on stage. Some of you would see it if you sat close enough. Uh, maybe my thermos would be on stage. And with that thermos, I would um, need to disinfect the mouthpiece because there was lipstick on there or something like that. So anyway, I always had alcohol wipes, always had gloves, always had masks because I, I was always kind of like that. And so I said all of that to say that as much as being by the ocean would have been the perfect thing to do this year to heal and align me with all the internal work I was doing and, you know, all the stuff we've been going through. All I wanted to do is be at the ocean. But if somebody says something's going on, with germs, I'm going to stay out of the way. And so that's what I did. I was not one of those people who were like, well, just put on your mask and go. But also it was a natural time of rest for me after 2019 and after 20 years of working too hard. It was just like, all right, 
everything's been canceled. I'm going to take this time. And so I haven't been on a plane. I haven't seen the ocean. So I lost ocean time this year. But what I've gained is prayer and meditation time. As much time as I would spend at the ocean or administering to myself emotionally through nature, as much time as I'd done that in the past, this year I just went inside as deeply as I would sometimes go outside. I have a friend who calls it going into the universe, and that's what I had time to do this year. So I didn't get the ocean time, but I got innerverse time. And in the past, for me, prayer and meditation was like a a medicine. When the day got too stressful, I would go into my first meditation or, or my second one of the day. Or, you know, when I was really struggling to manage something emotionally, but also my work is requiring a lot from me. Meditation would be my saving grace or prayer. Prayer would be my saving grace. A lot of prayer. You know, I always prayed every time I got on the plane, prayed every time the plane landed, prayed for, you know, before every show, prayed that God would speak through me for, for, for humanity through every song. A lot of prayer. This year, the prayer wasn't about propping myself up or any of that. It was just about being with myself and being close to God. Luxuriating in prayer and meditation. I have never been able to do that. And so I've been lighting a lot of candles, <laughs> beeswax candles to be exact. Someone explained to me that like some of the other candles were toxic, but that beeswax candles actually are good for your internal environment of your home. And so that elemental thing that the water usually was for me became candles, a lot of candles. I want to paint the picture like I was in the house living like some kind of castle with candles everywhere. It wasn't like that. But in my prayer and meditation space, I would have like sometimes up to six candles, tall, you know, cylindrical candles and tea lights and sometimes maybe up to 10 or 12 candles in a really small room, you know, like just the average size bedroom. But I would even sometimes in the daytime, I would put the curtains down. So there was like a little bit of ambient light coming from outside and light candles and luxuriate and prayer and meditation. A lot of prayer for our collective humanity, a lot of prayer for my own self, because as I talked about in that last segment, I, I lost a family member and a friend. And so you can imagine all of the emotional turmoil around that. So there would be some times to just get into prayer about things like that. So I lost my ocean time, but I definitely gained a deeper relationship with myself. And it's been really nice sitting with a lot of candlelight this year. In fact, there's six candles burning right here as I'm doing this, this podcast. So, yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I want to say about this whole thing around the coronavirus and germs and how I see things. I also stocked up on food. I bought an extra freezer 
again, I, I live in a small condo. My condo's less than 900 square feet. And, um, but I bought a small refrigerator. I think it got here probably in about July so that I could just buy things and not have to go back and forth to the store a lot because the anxiety was way too much for me. So um, the other thing I did around the coronavirus and the whole germ thing is I, when I really just got tired of being in the house, which I'm trying to figure out how to say this. So for me, as a person who has been working like an adult, a grown man, <laughs> I've been working like a grown man for 20 years. Um, when this year was unexpectedly canceled, the way it was, all the touring, all the concerts, all the gatherings, all the TV shows, everything, all the, everything. Again, for me, it was a natural time to rest. So... I was in the house a lot, not because I was afraid of going out for coronavirus, although there was some fear there, but also because I wanted to be in the house. And so that gave me double the reason to stay in. And so, but when it came around July, from about February to July, I was good being in. And I went out on the rarest occasion. I went on my balcony a lot. I watched the sunrise a lot, which I had never done. Only time I ever watched the sunrise was when I was at the beach on vacation. Uh, but I would watch the sunrise from my balcony many days in a row, probably like a good 60, 90 days in a row, good three months. I watched it move across the horizon. I watched the different colors, all of it. I would watch the sunrise every day. It got to the point where I woke up at five minutes before sunrise naturally every day, probably from May, June, and July. I did that. And so... You know, I spent time on my balcony, but I didn't go out. But then when I finally, you know, July rolled around, I was just like, I need to move. I need to feel my body moving through space. So I started walking around the block. <laughs> so the person who went around the world but didn't go around the block started going around the block. And it really helped me to realize how close I lived to a lot of things. Like there are things that I would never walk to, like... I'm not going to walk to that Whole Foods over there. Like it was just, I would laugh at the idea of walking to the Whole Foods that's down the street from where I live. But after walking around the block so many times, I realized it really is very close. <laughs> so I've gained a new relationship with, with myself and with my body and with my body moving through space and with my inner verse and with different elements like fire. So, yep. Yeah. I want to talk about something that has been really interesting for me in this next segment. So when the summer came and the Black Lives Matter protests started, it just made me feel so sad and mad and tired. I was just so tired and um, it started really making me look at what I believed about humanity and the truth of humanity. Because, you know, just like 2020, I never saw this coming. When I was a young person just coming into the music industry, just started writing songs at 20, 21 years old, I fully believed that 
I was a part of a greater, what would the word be? A part of a greater movement in humanity of people living and working in all different sectors of life who believed in the elevation of humanity and was working for that from their own unique perspective. That's why I write the kind of songs I write because I wanted to believe that I was adding to, you know, a million hands to help lift everyone. What is that saying? All boats rise, the water rises, all boats rise. I don't know that saying, but it's a saying that means when the water rises, everything rises with it. That's what I thought we were doing. And I started to feel different in December. I really started to feel different about it in January after that assassination. In fact, I was on set with Reverend Michael Beckwith and because he played the, the he married us in the video uh, for Welcome Home in the short film. And but I took a moment to just get his ear and I started telling him that I was starting to feel really disappointed that I felt like I had given my whole life to the elevation of humanity. And I was looking around and things didn't seem to be getting better. They seemed to be getting worse. And what he told me is that it was like a boil that needed to be lanced, that the infection needed to be come to the surface and be released so that we can see what it is and so that we could heal it. And it made sense to me and I heard him. But then that was January. And so by the time July comes in the June and the Black Lives Matter protests start and Kobe and COVID and the changing of my friendships and my personal stuff and all that, looking back at the industry, it really made me have to, my personal relationship stuff too, romantic relationships I mean, like it really, I really had to look and say, this world is nothing like what I imagined I was working towards. If you would have told me at 25, I'd be sitting right here like this, I couldn't have imagined it. And so I had to confront my beliefs, all the things that I thought for humanity and the things that I thought for my personal life so much of it didn't happen <laughs> that I had to like, I didn't just have to confront my beliefs about things. I had to confront the way that I believe that I could be completely 100% sure of something that just doesn't come to be. I started asking myself, what is a belief? This is not my first time talking about this on this podcast, but it got even deeper as the summer went down because I had to, at first I got mad. It was like, I've been doing all this, ra I've, been, I've been enduring all of this racism and this sexism, thinking that it's helping humanity to get better and everything is just getting worse. And I'm going to be completely honest with you because that's where I'm at in life now. Some things just need to be said. I was disappointed that even in the midst of all of this social change and upheaval, that the number one record was WAP. Like, when do we start to see music as something that heals and something that is important to the consciousness? Not saying people shouldn't have fun and be entertained, but how is that the biggest record this year? In 2020, it just made me 
feel discouraged, you know, because obviously music is what I do. So I'm looking at it through a different lens. And I'm not even saying that my songs needed to be the biggest songs of the year, although I would like that because for 20 years I've been speaking directly to a lot of the stuff that we are confronting this year. And it made me feel like, so I've been saying this all this time and now, now look at us because me saying it didn't mean anything. I don't think that it meant zero. I think I reached some people. But I also realize now that the work for harmony on this planet will never be done. I'm not saying we won't reach a time when we're better. I'm saying it will never be done. And it certainly will not be done in my lifetime. And I'm saying that now and it sounds like it just makes perfect sense. But I'm telling you, at the start of 2020, I did not understand that that work would never be done in my lifetime. I didn't understand it. I didn't know. I, I couldn't see it. And so that awakening around my beliefs, like I lost that naivete. But what I gained is an openness to see the truth of what life is and to make a decision about what I want to do. And so I still want to make music that is this, of the same quality in nature that I've made over the last 20 years. But I'm doing it because I want to, not because I think this is what needs to happen. You know, I've said it again, I've said this on this podcast, not this episode, but on this podcast series. I was taught that humanity was on a slippery slope and we needed all hands on deck and I was on deck. But I'm still on deck, even though I know that the work will never be done. And during the protests, I talked to one of my godmothers. She lives down in Savannah, Georgia. She's a very dynamic woman who's done a lot of work for the environment. And she started that as a student at Harvard, a very young age. She went to Harvard at a very young age. And she told me, <laughs> because I told her, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this. I've been knowing her since I was in college, since I was 19. And so she saw my whole journey up into the music industry, then, you know, up into the heights of my success and coming down from that mountain and coming into my, you know, elder stateswoman status in the music industry. She's been with me through all of it. And she told me that her mother said to her, as she was very serious about the environment, you know, we all are seeing what's happening with the environment. So imagine all the changes she's gone through internally, like that the environment is her cause and she's still watching the world be what it is. Okay, so she said to me, my mother told me, you better have some fun because when, you know, the work will never be done. And those people that are around you, they don't care about you. They don't care how hard you go. They don't care how hard you work. They don't care if you can't sleep at night. They care about themselves and their lives and their families. So you better have some fun along the way. And I hear her because I, I wouldn't say I didn't have fun. I've definitely had a dynamic career, dynamic life. But I think I passed up the opportunity for, for a lot of fun, thinking that I'm working towards this slippery slope. We got to catch this, thinking like that. And, you know, maybe we did. I, but I don't know. And the mystery is so great, I will never know. So I've just this year, after 20 years in the music industry, realized that I need to do it because I want to or not and that I have no control over any of that. And 
And so it started making me look at a lot of my other beliefs too. Like I mentioned earlier in my romantic life, I just thought things were going to go a certain way and they have not gone that way. And actually, I want to get into that in this next segment because honestly, I could do a whole episode <laughs> about my romantic life. I won't because I'm sure you could gather what it's been like if you listen to all these episodes. But I want to get into my beliefs, what I've lost and gained around romantic relationships in 2020. So with regard to romantic relationships, I lost my belief in what romantic relationships were going to be like for me. I realized this year that I was holding on to that same belief probably since I was 12 and I'm, I'm being literal probably since I was 12 and I really started being able to feel the emotions that love songs would make me feel. I was really starting to feel music and that's when I just decided this is how it was going to be. I didn't think, okay, when I'm 25, I'm going to have my first child. When I'm 35, I'm going to have the second one. I'm going to get married. It wasn't like that, but it was just like when I meet my person, when I get married, when I find my husband, it was like, a win thing. And as I got into my 20s, I thought, you know, from 25 to 35, I would think in these next 10 years, I'll meet someone and then naturally we'll decide to have a child just based out of love and our relationship. And, you know, that's how it's going to go. It just felt natural to me. And that is not how things have gone. <laughs> I have had a lot of experiences and relationships. And going back to the astrology conversation for a second that I was talking about a couple segments ago, Libra is the sign of marriage in astrology, but it's also the sign of learning about relationships. And the best way to learn about them is to be in them. And I've learned so much about relationships just from all of my different relationships. I didn't meet someone at 25 and stay together till we're 45. Right. I, that's not how it happened for me. I had learned a lot of different lessons in a lot of different relationships. And so I looked up this year and realized, wait a minute, that didn't happen. Not that it still couldn't, but to be in my mid 40s and it didn't happen. That means that the vision that I had did not happen. That vision didn't happen because it was not going to be in my mid 40s before I met my husband. Like, that's just not what I ever expected. And so now that I'm here and this is what it is, the belief has been proven wrong. Another one of my beliefs has been proven wrong. And what I've gained is a wisdom and a groundedness and an acceptance. I never had that. I was always longing for my love and where was he? And when, when was I going to find him? Always longing. You can hear the longing in some of my music, even in the song Ready for Love, you hear me longing for it. And this year, the longing is gone. I've let go of it. It has not been easy. I'm not saying it just went away one day. I'm saying that I started to really look at beliefs and look at my beliefs and look at what's the best way, the healthiest way for me to deal with these beliefs. <laughs> and when it comes to relationships, I... Over many months, this has probably been happening from June to September were probably the 
the heaviest months for this conversation. I did some therapy. I also was in the astrology school, so I learned a lot about my psychological nature. And also having these deep prayer and meditations, um, luxuriating in them. All that culminated also being in meditation teacher training this year. All that culminated for me in finally praying, not for him, for the right one, but praying to be at peace with exactly where I am and praying to heal whatever was going on inside of me spiritually and psychologically that was blocking my ability to attract and have a healthy long-term romantic relationship. And oh man, that's why I said I could really do a whole conversation about what I've learned about my own self psychologically, about my childhood, about being a survivor of abuse, about how all that created the relationship experiences I've had. I'm not going to go into it. Maybe sometime, but I'm not going to go into it now. But I just will say this. I've gotten to know myself so much better this year. And in that, where I am is accepting and praying for peace and to be at peace with exactly where I am. Also, what I've learned is that gratitude really is real. Gratitude is something that I fully believe in and I would practice, but sometimes it was a concept that I wouldn't even remember to think about. Some of you may have read the essays that I wrote. They've been taken taken offline now for, for a reason, but I wrote this 267 page essay back in 2017. Some of you may remember because we, I released them in parts on a subscription basis and we would, um, we would a fellowship about them through emails. Some of you remember. And in that email process, one of the things I learned was that with all of the spiritual philosophies that I wrote about in these essays, 267 pages again, that I didn't write about gratitude. And my friend who helped me edit these essays, she was like, well, you really should put gratitude in here. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 let's put it in there. But I didn't understand it. It wasn't wasn't a thing I do. It was a thing I understood intellectually. This year, because I've had so much time with my inner verse, (laughs) I love that word, because I've had so much time, I really was able to truly, truly, I think for the first real time, count my blessings and you know nobody has everything and so when I think about the trade-offs that I've made for me it's like romantic relationships take a lot of grounding and consistency and I have not had a grounded and consistent life at all I've been moving for 20 years and so there are other reasons of course that I haven't had successful relationships. I'm using successful in quotes because, you know, what does it mean? Success is based on what you were meant to get from something. But, you know, long-term, let's use the word long-term. Why I haven't had any long-term relationship? Why I haven't ever married? There are other reasons why, but also 
when I count my blessings, there are other things that I was married to. I gave birth to other things. And I honor that. I'm grateful for that. Truly, 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 truly. I have, um, I am grateful for my career. It's been hard, but also it's been very fulfilling. So this year, I finally have been able to let go of my beliefs and gain wisdom and groundedness around who I am and acceptance around what my life looks like and relinquish control over over it because <laughs> I didn't really I did not relinquish control because I was being smart I relinquished control because I realized I didn't have any but here I am at least now I know <laughs> Ooh, all right next segment <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and just say this one. (laughs) This year, I lost a tooth. But I also gained a really good relationship with dentistry. It's one of my molars on the side. I started, it started with a gray spot on there. And then as the quarantine era started, it got worse and worse. And I was like, I'm not going to a doctor's office. And so I had to just kind of watch it finally went to the dentist to have this tooth looked at in July and I was so deeply I was so deeply living in my inner verse so deeply living in my emotional healing so deeply in the house because you know those first months of quarantine was like really in the house remember the streets were empty animals were places they weren't the skies were clear you know remember all that And so I was in the house too, and it was urgent, but it was an emergency because it didn't hurt. And so I was kind of watching it. I finally got to the dentist, and that's a whole long story too, because I went into prayer. I called my elders. I was like, please pray for me. I'm looking for the right dentist. I had a dentist that I was going to use in New York who had like all these philosophies that I loved. I was going to use her, and then everything happened, and I couldn't travel anymore. So I started calling her to see if she could help me find the best dentist And I love the dentist I found, love him. But before I got to know him, I went to the office and he did something that no dentist has ever done. He sat with me and we just talked and he said, so tell me where you've been. And I, with my mask on still, as I started talking, I broke out crying just because it was everything, like the fear of being out of the house and being around people. And they had like these HEPA filters blowing. And so it felt, you know, dangerous and it felt safe, but it felt dangerous. And it was my first time going out at all and being around. I mean, I had been around the block and stuff, but I hadn't been around any people at all. So now I'm with these two people in a doctor's office and the, you know, doctor's offices have all the fluorescent lights and it's bright and I'm just afraid and I start talking. There's another layer to this too, because being a celebrity, I'm really a low key person. And so the celebrity thing doesn't really match my constitution and my nature. And so when I walk into a space where I don't know anybody, but they know me, it makes me really uncomfortable. And so now I'm in this dentist, I'm dealing with all the anxiety of the tooth because I'm crazy about my health. I'm, you know, like I mentioned in the other segment, I'm a person who's deeply committed, deeply always in deep 
thought about my health, but not always able to administer to it because I put my single-minded focus on my career and it was always a lot of movement. And so I'm in this room. I know he knows who I am. And, you know, HEPA filters just coming out of the house for the first time, my first time being around any people and they're strangers and it's a lot. And I start talking and I break down crying because I'm just scared for a lot of reasons. And he was so kind. He was like, it's okay, it's okay. Take your time. And I said to him, I'm sorry, I'm just a sensitive person. I'm crying. And he said, I'm sensitive too. And this job is kind of yucky. I don't know why I do it. (laughs) He made me laugh. And he said, but I think my sensitivity works because I really care about my patients. And that made me cry because it was so sweet. And then we had a conversation about where I had been and how I had some dentists that I thought were awful. Even the last one I used, he didn't do things right. I could just, I knew that. And I was looking for the right thing because I really needed to address my teeth and I needed to address this one tooth in particular. And so we talked and I told him I had deep dental anxiety. I didn't know, I didn't even know that terminology, but it was on the, it was on the sheet. I told him it was deep. And of course I broke down crying. So he thinks that I'm like really crazy and have all this dental anxiety, which I do when things aren't right. But we set an appointment. I go back and it's like night and day. I walk through the office. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I greet everybody. I'm like, right, let's get this work done. But I have to get the injection. And that's the part that always makes me anxious. So I'm getting myself together and breathing for him to do the injection. He does it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm cool now. (laughs) And he's like, he's really a nice man. He communicates with, he communicates really clearly with me and with his patients. I'm sure he's like that with all, with everyone. And so like while he's working, he's like, you're really doing a great job. You know, but doctors say that a lot. But at the end, he was like, you're a great patient. You sit still. You can sit still for a long time. You can calm yourself down. I'm, I'm not going to, and it was so sweet. He said, I'm always going to give you time to breathe and let you have your moment before your injections, whatever you need. I'm not going to just rush in and start doing things, but you're a really good patient. And I thought that was really kind of him to say the fact that he knows what I need because he, you know, he remembers that I cried that first day and all that. And so, but when he got in there and started opening the tooth, it was too far gone and I had to have it pulled. So I had to go to another doctor for that. But I trust my dentist, and so I trust who he sent me to, and I had to have my tooth pulled. So I lost a tooth this year, which is freaking crazy to me. I I never thought anything like that would happen, but I did. But I gained a good relationship with dentistry, and I understand now what it means to seek the right dentist. I understand now that dentistry is like part of the medical profession where they can really be mediocre and still be a dentist. So you need to really find somebody who's great. You know, you don't find a lot of mediocre neurosurgeons or something like that, you know, because the the type of medicine it is itself attracts high achievers. But I think dentistry is kind of more mechanical or something like that. I don't know the right words. But there are good dentists who really want to do a great job, but all of them are not like that. And I learned that through this process of interviewing dentists and, you know, being supported by the dentist in New York and 
seeing the difference in her and everybody else I'd ever known. So now I will go to the dentist at least every three months. I go to the dentist at least four times a year just because. But also only if the dentist is right. And I will always choose the right ones now. So that's been important for me. Yeah. <laughs> I lost a tooth, but I gained a good relationship with dentistry. So, yeah. I feel like I'm coming to the end of this list. I'm thinking, oh, there's one more thing. There is one more thing that I definitely want to say before I end this podcast. Let's get into that in this next segment. Okay, this year, 2020, I lost the fear of my intensity. And I gained acceptance of my intensity and a willingness to just be that. So let me explain. I have to talk about astrology again for a second. So when you were born, every planet is in the sky in a certain place. Astrology is the deciphering of where each planet is and what it means to you psychologically. The theory being that everything is connected and the planets have a you know, electromagnetic pull on us the same way that the moon pulls the tides and the moon even pulls the water in our bodies. The planets all do different type of pull in relationship with our being, with our planet, all that. There's a big conversation in the astrology community about the astrology of 2020. There are some astrologers who started studying astrology 20 years ago or 30 years ago in preparation for 2020 because they saw how it was all going to look and they were intrigued to see, you know, to show up in 2020 conscious of the, the way that the planets were going to be aligned. And so... Other little side note, the day I left home for L.A., that first trip I took this year, the day I left home, the alignment was taking place where all these planets aligned in Capricorn. So astrologers would say all these planets aligning in Capricorn this year, which is a very rare, very, very rare occurrence in the history of time, of time being kept. <laughs> um, that's what has been playing out this year in the world. People in the astrology community were expecting this. Not the details, but the intensity. So going back to the word intensity, there's a hallmark of my personal astrological chart where everything was the day I was born. And it speaks to intensity. And to the point that even in the classes, and I have a good friend who, in fact, the, uh, the male lead from the Sacred Space video is an astrologer. A wonderful astrologer too. He's a wonderful, brilliant mind just in general. But people will look at this part of my chart and they would laugh like, you have this, that, that with your, <laughs> oh my gosh, I cannot imagine having that. Like people would do stuff like that a lot. And Mustafa, who's the male lead in sacred space, saw that in my chart. But it speaks to a person who is intense, a deep intensity. Also, it speaks to a person who carries a lot of energy, like they shift the energy when they walk into a room. Also, it speaks to a person who's able to command energy, like I guess what I do from stage. Because anybody who's seen my show, you've seen me take a full concert 
into a mindfulness meditation for five minutes. And even into deeper places, it's just natural for me. It's what I do. It's how I'm wired and what I'm capable of. But everybody around me, which is a whole other conversation, everybody who's in my life always is a part of my business. If you're not a part of my business, I don't really know you. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I've been, I've had single-minded focus on my career. So even my best friend, the one who I lost this year, that we stopped, decided to stop being friends, she worked with me. We met through music. We didn't meet through work because 25 years ago, neither one, of us, neither one of us were professional. But it was through music and she wanted to start a label and I wanted to be an artist and we were all these young people in Atlanta trying to do this thing. That's how we met. And so, you know, we were been in and out of each other's lives. But about 10 years ago, we solidly came into business together. And so even her. So everybody who is around me my intensity is a good thing because it's how I've been able to accomplish everything I've been able to accomplish. And not just that I've been able to be um, successful as in monetary and being world known worldwide, not that, but that I've been able to do those things with the message that I carry, not just in my songs, but also in my look and my image. You all may remember when I came around, people didn't wear People didn't look like me. We didn't have that acceptance of the diversity of beauty and all that. It wasn't like that. It was almost like, who is this girl who got the nerve to show up like this with these clothes and this hair and this face and this nose and this skin? Like, who, who is this? Who she thinks she is showing up like this? And for me, there was no other option. I was not going to be denied. And I would think when people looked at me that way, I would be like, you'll understand later. That's literally how I felt. I'm like, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it later. When you hear my music, I'll explain to you what this all is, what I'm about. Now we have like black girl magic and natural hair. Now we even took natural hair to the point where we're getting legislation that black people can wear their hair the way it grows out of their head, right? The Crown Act. That's what things are now. But I was one of, I would say I was one of the foremothers of that movement. And so there were a lot of reasons why I should have been denied singing spiritual music, even music that was criticizing the very industry I was in. I'm not the average girl from your video. I was criticizing the very industry that I was in, like kind of like flaunting my power because I was not going to be denied. And so that intensity that I naturally carry, the intensity was able to, was what I needed to be able to create all of this. And so in business, it's a good thing until I'm with people one-on-one -on -one and I turn that intensity on them. For some people, it makes them very uncomfortable. And because of that, I felt like it was a character flaw. Literally, I'd be like, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to look at them like I'm looking through them. Like, I don't want to give the x-ray vision eyes. I don't want to have to tell somebody you know, I'm going to try to laugh after I say this thing, or I'm just not going to say it because it's going to be too heavy. You know, always modulating my intensity for the person standing in front of me. This year was another moment that I cried. I was in astrology class and I started to see this part of my chart. And I saw my intensity, how important it is to who I am, how hard I've worked over the years. And I just broke down crying because it felt like I was always trying to explain to people 
No, even when you think I'm not working, I'm working. I work in my sleep. I work at the beach. I work. I go to the beach to work. When I go, I'm going to the beach to clear my mind. I'm doing that because I want to bring out songs that are going to administer to humanity. This is all about work for me. People never understood that with me, and they would judge me thinking that I didn't work hard enough or that I took too many breaks. Or I, I actually had one person I work with tell me, you, you have this pattern of going out to work and then coming back to rest. You have to stop doing that. <laughs> okay. In hindsight, that was the absolutely ridiculous thing for her to say. It was cruel almost. But that's kind of how people would talk to me sometimes. Like, you, you know, like, like because my music was beautiful and because the way I would show myself to them was harmony at all costs, that I wasn't a person who was working my ass off for so long anyway so when I saw that part of me I decided that I was going to accept it and that I was not going to modulate my intensity for the person standing in front of me that I was going to be authentic about how my intensity was expressed in any given moment and deal with the chips as they fall however that saying goes, <laughs> however the chips fall, just deal with it, deal with what comes up. And I haven't had a lot of practice with that yet because I haven't been around a lot of people. I haven't been working. I've not been the head of a team of 20 people on the road for 40 days. I haven't done any of that. But I have had my personal conversations with some of the people that I mentioned in this podcast and some other people too. And some moments where I had to choose, am I going to fake right now or just be my intensity? And I would just choose to be honest and authentic. And I would say it's working out. But also, when I tell you that people would look at my this part of my chart and laugh, like, um, what I also learned in my astrology school is that this thing that I have happens one day a year. One and my father has it too. And so that speaks a lot because my father was a professional athlete. So that speaks a lot about a person who's able to create, to command great energy. You know, professional athletes are among the most driven, disciplined people in the world. And so he, he had that quality for a long time. My father was a professional basketball player for 10 years. And even in high school, they won the state championship. So he was that guy. And I, I know I inherited that intensity from him. I get my creativity from my mom. And so my creativity and my intensity, why would I deny either one? The same way I've embraced my creativity over the years, I now am learning to embrace my intensity and my depth and, 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 um, be at peace with whatever that creates in my life. And so that's been big for me. I lost the desire to modulate my intensity and I gained the acceptance of my intensity. And I look forward to seeing how that manifests in my music. Because the main criticism I've gotten about my music the only one really, is that it's too positive. And I would always think, too positive for what? 
this is what I want to do. If you want to hear a different message, then, you know, mix it up. You got other people you can listen to. And if you want to hear my message, you can listen to me. It always felt like that. But I understood what they were saying. It was like idealistic. And I myself have learned that I am an idealist. And it went unchecked for so long that I had this vision of life that I needed to have just to make it through. And now that I am looking at my beliefs and now that I have lived long enough to see my beliefs, not, I mean, things that I believed like the sky was blue. Now that I've lived long enough to see that those beliefs were things that I wanted to see, not things that I knew were true. And now that I'm able to look and accept my intensity, I've been asking myself how that more true expression of myself will express itself inside of my songwriting. I imagine it will have maybe more of a heaviness or I, I, I really don't know, but Joni Mitchell is one of my heroes and she is specifically one of my heroes because of the journey of her life and how it played out in her craft. She went from singing a high soprano to singing down here with me. Like she sings down here, <laughs> like you know, and watching her, musical expression change too. She's had so many different iterations of herself as an artist. And I look forward to that too. I would say at the end of 2019, I had reached a place of just needing a break. In 2020, when I started looking at my beliefs, I reached this state of apathy, maybe even like a despondency around my music. I just didn't feel it. I didn't want to sing any of my old songs. I didn't want to write anything new. Even with all the turmoil and everything happening in the world around black lives and everything I was feeling and all the work I was doing and losing friendships and losing family members and feeling things and all the stuff that I talked about in this podcast, none of it manifested in songs. None. I have not written one original song this year. Well, I did write one. I might tell you about that in a second. I might not. But that just happened the other day. Literally the other day. It was two weeks ago. And I think what I've gained is actually direction musically. Not aesthetically, but philosophically. And what I mean by that is I don't know what I'm going to do next and how it's going to sound and all that. I don't know. But what I do know is that one of the things I've been missing for so long in my career is making music that is not aimed towards radio. It's never what I really wanted to do, but because I have such a strong willpower and this is what I knew I needed to do, that's what I did. But I really wanna make a folk album. I know what happens when I make music and leave it the way it comes out. <laughs> and that's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna buff it up. I want to just sing. I want to sing what I want to sing. And I feel that the reason why I'm calling it a folk album is because I feel like folk music often, as in Joni Mitchell, naturally has an intensity to it because the person is just putting so much of their emotion and intensity into it. You're, what you're trying to do is express yourself. And so that's what I'm about to do.
And so lastly, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about this thing I did the other day. I'm going to talk a little bit about astrology one more time. In astrology, we talk about elements, earth, air, water, fire. So earth is grounded and practical. Air is like mental with a lot of ideas. I'm an I'm a air sign. Libra is an air sign, which is why I do words and ideas and thoughts and write essays that are 267 pages for fun and have a podcast for fun and words and music. That's air. Um, water is emotion, depth, um, feeling, you know, emotion. And fire is energy, passion, movement, um, thinking, uh, acting before you think, uh, aggression, sex, sexuality, stuff like that. That's fire. And one thing I've learned from my astrology chart is that I find luck when I'm more like a fire sign. And so I was sitting in my prayer room and Robert Glasper has sent me a piano instrumental and asked me to do an interlude to it. And so I thought, I'm going to do this thing my chart is teaching me. I'm going to stop thinking everything through and just go be more like a fire sign and make something up. And so I freestyled this song into the microphone. And it is very different from anything I've ever done. It has curse words in it. <laughs> it's very um, sexual and sensual with curse words. So all that together is like... I feel like people are going to be like, India did this, but it's still me. It's still my voice and my approach to things, but it's just a fiery side of me. And so not that I want to make a full album of explicit songs and stuff like that. This is not what I want to do, but I'm, I um, celebrate that I was able to express myself that way. And it's dope too. Cause if it wasn't dope, I would just put it away, but it's dope too. I can't wait till you hear it. I think it's going to be called hello. So anyway, uh, that's where I'm at this year. <laughs> I can't believe I just talked about all that. I hope that um, I hope that you got something out of this. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I think that this is a perfect time for a closing affirmation. Lastly, I want to wish everyone a happy new year. Blessings for the end of the year. Blessings for 2021. Sending all my love and compassion to all of you who've had true hardships this year. And um, truly wishing everyone an elevation out of the the struggle of this year there's a way that i frame life called breakdown breakthrough break the shell elevate and fly the breakdown is is the breakdown <laughs> the breakthrough is when you realize that you're somewhere you don't like and it has to change the break the shell is starting to do the work of the change the elevate is living in a changed state and the fly is when you effortlessly live in a new space, a new normal. And so I pray that we can all go from breakdown, breakthrough, break the shell, elevate and fly. I have learned from my personal life that the hardest years are the ones that really hold the most triumph in the end. And one of the things you didn't hear me say a lot in this episode is 
a lot about, you know, uh, external struggle and struggle and how this is the hardest year I've ever had because this is not the hardest year I've ever had. I felt a lot. I've cried a lot. I felt a lot of pain, a lot of collective pain, but this has not been my hardest year. And so I say that to say that I understand firsthand how we can come out of the depths of something and truly that is how we gain our wings. And so that is my prayer for all of us that we realize why we had to go through this and that our wings are on the other side. So that's my story. <laughs> um, I love you all. Thank you for listening to Song Conversation, the podcast. And um, like I say in the beginning of this podcast, but I mean it especially for this episode. I hope that you hear yourself in my story. I really got a lot out of doing this episode and naming for myself what it is that I gained and what it is that I lost because I realized that they're interconnected. So it wasn't all just loss and it wasn't all just hard. It was challenging, but it wasn't only hard. And so um, on occasion, I like to shout out one of my soul birds. And so today I want to shout out again, the person who I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, his name is Donald. He is at L Donald, E-L Donald on Instagram, who reminded me of this song and how it aligns with what we've been through in 2020. I know from Donald's Instagram that he moved schools. He's a college professor. Is that right, Donald? Uh, he does something executive, administrative, or professorial <laughs> at a college. And uh, he moved to a different college. And so different city, different students, different college. And so that, you know, big life changes. And so there was, I'm sure, a lot of leaving behind and a lot of starting anew. And that's really what life is. We had too much of it in 2020. <laughs> anyway. Thank you, Donald. Thank you all. And as I say, always in the beginning of this podcast, I hope that you hear yourself in my story. And so if you haven't already, maybe this is a wonderful framework for you to think about what you lost and what you gained, because truly they are interconnected. And so I love you all. Happy New Year. And until next time, may you clearly hear this song in your heart. I like that.